Welcome, welcome, welcome to Best Job Ever. I'm your host, Rich Morgan. A big thanks to those listeners who have tuned in so far. And just a quick reminder, if you're enjoying the podcast, please do feel free to subscribe. It's certainly appreciated. So go grab that coffee, sit back, and let's do this. My guest today has the unique distinction of being a former colleague, platonic roommate, and a friend for nearly two decades. He's a true builder in the agency world and is currently a founding partner at the Melbourne-based digital marketing agency, Sonar Group. Please put your hands together for Mr. Scott Heron. Scotty, how are you? Good, sir. I'm very good. It's great to be here. We've um, we've known each other for, for quite some time. Uh it seems like our relationship and, and our and our discussions have been largely digital over the last decade or so. Uh, bad, bad dad joke is that we've been zooming ever since it was called Skype, uh, but that's uh, I think that's where <laughs> where, where we would have got going. Uh, I think the last time that we were actually in the same room together was probably 2011 or so when you were living in London. I came came through for a quick visit. You were kind enough to. Uh, to put me up for a couple of nights in your flat in London. That's right. That's right. Yeah, God, it's been a while. First, as, as always, what I like to do is I like to go all the way back to to where Scott and Rich would have would have first uh, met. Um, and so this takes us back to 2004. We were both working for a company that I've mentioned before on the podcast, and I'm sure I will mention a hundred times over again, but uh, Blast Radius. We were working together in Toronto and I don't think that we really crossed over too, too much for the first few months. I think I think the, the, the catalyst for us to start our relationship, if you will, was uh, the fact that both of us had the opportunity to move to Blast's Amsterdam office. And so that that was the, the start of the journey. And um, we, yeah, we, we basically we moved over there at the same time. We happened to share uh, a flat in Amsterdam with uh, with my lovely partner, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was certainly good times. That's the the start of the bromance, I suppose. Yeah, totally. And I think we had like a um, they gave like a sort of a, a dry run to be like, are you sure you want to move there? And our dry run was during Queen's Day, and <laughs> we were like, this is this is the best place on earth. Of course, we're coming here. You know, it's fantastic. <laughs> It was great timing, and I, and I certainly didn't know. I don't know if you had planned that out in terms of uh, trying to get us get us there at that point. But uh, e- either way, it was a uh, it was the perfect time to go and check out a prospective new home. And uh, yeah. as as it happened, yeah, we we both moved over there, um, and yeah, so we worked together and lived together there for a year. And um, yeah, I can remember you were you were certainly an influence uh, on me then, not only from a from a professional standpoint, but um, that uh, I think my music tastes are, are forever changed. I, I still appreciate a good groove armada, um, <laughs> as well as you you were from from a technical perspective. Uh, you were the first person that I knew with an iPod, uh, not, not an iPad, not an iPhone for the kids, but uh, an iPod. <laughs> you know, moving away from from that for a second. So again, we we work together for, for that year. Um, I'm actually curious, and I don't think I've, I've really ever asked you this, how did you actually end up 
in the digital agency side of things. Yeah, well, so I, um, I, I when I graduated with my MBA, I joined management consulting. Uh, and that was going to be my career for the rest of it because my dad was in a, my dad had a company called uh, Heron Creative Consultants. So I thought consultants, that sounds like a good gig. Let's, let's do yeah. that. And my, and so I went as a strategy consultant at Capgemini Ernst & Young. And then my boss left uh, Capgemini to join Blast Radius. Oh, really? And he convinced me to move across. He was like, you know, because at the time I was just doing these huge, like hundred slide PowerPoint decks yeah. Um, and passing them on to the senior guys to then present to the client. He said, no, you should come to Blast Radius because we do the strategy, but then we actually stay with the strategy and execute and you'll do the work alongside the clients. So that was my, that was his sort of promise to me. And, and that's why uh, I made the move and, uh, and never looked back and always sort of had one foot in agency land. And, and we actually call Sonar a consultancy for a variety of different reasons. But it's always been working closely with clients to figure out how to best use this thing called the internet and show beyond the shadow of a doubt that it's actually a tool to actually help your business. Right. Um, right. And I like the, you know, I definitely, I feel really lucky to have been in the agency space because of, you know, just the variety of characters you run into. You know, they're like, people are coming at it from different lenses. Some are very creative. Some are more about the technology. Some are more about the strategy. Mm -hmm. And you've got these, this eclectic group of people in the room trying to solve a problem. And I think that's probably pretty rare. Like, I'm really happy to have ended up in the, in the agency world. Yeah, that's a good point around the fact that um, I think just sort of quote unquote an agency can, can mean a whole lot of, of different things. And, and over the last 20 years, it has meant uh, a lot of different things. You, you went from traditional or full service agencies into digital only agencies. Um, but at the end of the day, I think you're right. It's It's not just about getting a brief and and just hey great checking the boxes on that brief it is more of this consultancy nature and that partnership and and um, being able to understand again a a business or businesses needs and be able to work with them and not just on a one campaign it's this sort of longer life cycle um and I think that's, you know, that's the beauty of, of, I guess, where both of us have been from the standpoint of seeing a lot of different things, seeing a lot of different ways that other agencies can run. Um, and then, of course, how that has affected you and, and, and putting together Sonar Group over the last six years, which, of course, we will dig into uh, quite a bit uh, in, in a little bit. Um, so from Blast Radius, which I know you were there for a few years as, as I was, um, that was sort of our jumping off point. So I believe uh, I went back to, to Canada uh, after the Amsterdam stint. You actually moved uh, over to London, and that was sort of the start of your WPP years. Um, so w with London, was was that the case of a job that was bringing you over there, or was, that, or, or was it just a, a natural move hopping over from, from Amsterdam to London? I really wanted to live in London. Like that was just sort of like one of those things. I just thought it was like a really vibrant city and a place where I wanted to spend some time. So when I went to London, it was, I was quite lucky in the sense that there is just a lot happening in a lot of agencies that were hiring. And so I chose Wonderman over some of the other ones because Wonderman was steeped in the old school direct marketing and data. And uh, when you, in my way of kind of fat, like, so when I was interviewing at places and I'd say like, well, what's your kind of data footprints? And they'd be like, yeah, no, we do a lot of data. It's like, well, how many people do you have just focused on that? They'd be like, well, one or two kind of thing. Whereas 
in Wonderman, there is you know a huge data department. So they were able to really kind of back that up. And so um, I joined Wonderman and I was uh, the, the business director for the Ford of Europe work. So looking across markets and, and uh, delivering their digital services. So I really, I really liked that role quite a lot. Like there's just so much to learn um, from the data side of things. And it was an exciting time for Ford. They're actually cranking out some really good products. Um, and it was nice to be part of a big network like WPP then too, because it, there was interagency collaboration. I mean, there was definitely, they called it like the, the punch and kiss model where you're kissing one day, you're punching the next, right. <laughs> but, uh, but there's, but there's more like, there's more collaboration than not. And I learned a lot from the senior leaders in WPP. Like at one point, especially on the Ford account, the senior leaders just really gone on well together. And you could see that when you did get along well and you kind of recognize your strengths, that could mean so much better work for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I learned a lot from those years for sure. It was yeah. a really good year. You would have been at Wonderman essentially right before, and I guess during when Blast Radius, not to mention it for the 10th time over, but Blast Radius was, was acquired um, as part of Wonderman or, or the WPP network. And so Again, some 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 you know kind of crossover there and just some some friendly faces, um, but yeah, the strength, right? The strength of of a huge conglomerate like WPP and the fact that, as you say, that that some days where you're actually you know collaborating, fantastic. Other days you might be competing, but at least you know you had that uh, that solid network there. So Wonderman, you you were there for a few years. Um, uh, I, I, we don't necessarily have to dig into the specifics of, of every single place that you've been, but I know from Wonderman, you went on to, to, uh, lead the charge at uh, an agency called Zaz. Um, and then you also moved on from there. And again, we can, we can pause on Zaz as well too, but you moved on from there to an agency called possible. Um, I know there is that sort of connection in within the WPP network and, and I guess curious to know what was that moving and shaking more or less t- to do with mergers and acquisitions basically finding the right place for you within sort of those sister agencies yeah so I mean you could definitely the the narrative can be played out through MA but it's, it's actually more about like people so like um I was at Wonderman um rising up the ranks there and Wonderman or WPP acquired Zaz and put it into Wonderman. And I came across Zaz because Zaz was doing a lot of the digital performance stuff for Ford in Detroit. And I loved it. It was just amazing. It was like, this is the stuff that I was really passionate about. Yeah. Um, and so I worked through the network to say, hey, like, can, can I start Zaz in Europe? You know, I love what they're doing over there. Can I, can I be in charge of starting Zaz in Europe? And I got to know their CEO, the CEO of Zaz, Shane. Atchison. And um, we got along really well. And, and that's what happened. So I, I um, and I, and also Brendan Tansy, who is the in charge of Wonderman UK. Um, so basically with, with Brendan and Shane giving me the nod, I was able to start Zaz in Europe. And uh, with those guys kind of helping me out to, to make that happen, it, it worked out really well. And then um, as Zaz grew, Zaz grew, we grew it in Europe to be about 40 people. Uh, then Shane, who was the CEO of Zaz, moved to be the CEO of Possible. And so he said, hey, do you want to, and he managed to work through to take all of Zaz and take it out of Wonderman and put it into Possible. 
Right. Uh, and I had the option of staying at Wonderman or going to um, Possible and uh, worked with Shane on, on basically creating a job uh, together to um, that would be a part of the, the team for uh, Possible Europe. Mm, that's very cool. I, and so I think a couple of things there, too, is that foreshadowing, for lack of a better word, in terms of you being able to uh, you know, work within an agency, but essentially run the show and open up a, a, a new office or a new offering for for an existing agency in Europe, which you know, I can only imagine is, is invaluable in terms of experience and clearly you know, leading us to, to, to where you are today in a few moments. Um, but you're right too in terms of the the people aspect, right? And and I trust it's similar in in other industries, but but I think when it comes to agency world and again, sort of smart would be a creative or technical or strategic people to be able to leverage those relationships, like the agencies themselves are le- leveraging those relationships. It's the people and working with good people. Um, and I've, I've had the experience too of, of working with a, f- with a handful of people a few different times at a few different places. Uh, and that's it. It's that sort of known quantity uh, and or quality, I suppose, that, uh, that kind of helps you to, to, I guess, make those decisions in terms of uh, you know, trying something new. Yeah, totally with you about that. Like, yeah, you just, um, if you know, if you're going to a new place, but you know some of the people, then it gives you like a huge feeling about what, it, what it's going to be like. Because, you know, you know, you have the trust and you know how those people operate. Um, it can make it a lot of fun. So you, again, you know, things, things were going really well for you in, in London. Uh, again, part of this bigger network and, and really, you know, kind of going back to what I said earlier around being that digital builder. So really getting some, some good experience there in terms of building agencies, building uh, offices up. But yeah, come late 2013, you made a, a big, big move, a big global move, uh, relocating to Australia. Um, what was the, the motivation behind that, moving from London to, to now Melbourne? Uh, it was uh, the birth of my son, Lachlan. So um, right. when we had uh, when we had Lachlan, um, Vanessa, my wife, and I were kind of staring at each other in this small leaky apartment in London, being like, "So, so why are we why are we here? Again? <laughs> you know, our, our families are, are thousands and thousands of kilometers away, and we're not tapping all the, the glossy sheen that London has to offer." So, um, so I went on a holiday to Australia, first time coming, um, and. I remember just, uh, you know, grabbing a glass of wine out in the, the countryside outside of Melbourne uh, and just being like, well, you know, we, we're going to make a move here at some point. Why don't I just see if I can grab a coffee while I'm, I'm out here and just see what happens? Yeah. Uh, and I was lucky enough that accelerated really fast to more serious talks. And, um, and so, yeah, we made the, made the move happen. But yeah, it was, mm-hmm. it was largely stemming from the birth of Lachlan. I think for obviously a lot of people, it's either family or, or career. And I guess in this situation, a yeah, fa- family leading career, but certainly being able to connect those those two pretty pretty quickly. I mean, we lived ourselves in, in London recently for a couple of years and it's, it's a wonderful city. I know that you, you loved it as well too, but when it comes to family, it's... Um, it's a little bit more challenging based, you know, if, if you're living right in central London, as you say, sort of a smaller flat um, to then be presented with something you know, like like where you are, uh, a lot more countryside to, to Rome. And uh, I'm sure the, the, the beaches uh, are, are, aren't a bad thing as well, too. I actually don't really know that much about Melbourne. So, you know, from from, I guess, you know, comparing it maybe to to another city 
you know, is, is that even possible or, you know, how, for, for someone that's never been, how would you describe Melbourne? If there is, so it's, I mean, we, we both have a point of reference of Toronto. So there's, yeah. um, it's Toronto-esque in terms of like, um, some having different kind of areas of Melbourne, kind of almost representing some different neighborhoods. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I like most about Melbourne is actually what's outside of Melbourne. So if you go an hour and hour, hour and a half outside of Melbourne in a given direction, you get very different landscapes. So one, it's like really good wine country. Another way, some decent hiking. Mm. Another really good beaches and like Bell's Beach and you know a little Point Break action. So <laughs> you've got very different things depending on which angle you're you're going to go outside of uh, Melbourne. Okay. Uh, and, and, you know, it always does well in the like economist livable cities ratings and you get to understand why it is a highly livable city. Um, it's easy to get around. It's great to raise a family, all those different things as well. So, yeah, it's, it's a, it took me a while to get into it, leaving London because I liked uh, I really enjoyed London, but it is a, it's a great place for sure. And I think it's that that balance too, and it, it actually how you've described it actually re- reminds me a bit, perhaps more Vancouver than Toronto, because it's a, it's a very manageable, livable city. And then as soon as you get 30 minutes or an hour outside of the city center, you're in the mountains, you're, you know, in the forest hiking, et cetera. You know, it's very easy to, to get out of um, and yet still have that somewhat big city feel to it, big city opportunities as well, too. So I think somewhat quickly landed yourself uh, actually in a C-suite role uh, as the chief digital officer at Cummins and Partners. Yeah. So again, like the thread is uh, is relationships and people. So the CEO of Cummins and Partners used to be the managing director for Wonderman in Australia. It's a guy named right. Chris Jeffers. And so Chris's was wooing me across to be like, hey, join join Cummins. I've just, you know, we just created this agency. It's going really well. Let's let's work together. So that's where that that came from. Uh, and then while I was here, then I also there's a, a guy named Alistair Ward, my business partner, who approached me. We have kids the same age. And so he's like, I want to grab a coffee with you. The kids can play and I've got a business idea. And I convinced him not to do that business idea, but it planted the seed with me that we both, that he wanted to start a business, which was something that I always dreamt of doing. And uh, I always either wanted the foundation client or the business partner. Um, And so I started working with him on what Sonar would look like. You know, I think we've talked about this before, but, you know, kind of where you were in your career at that point and and clearly, you know, already into the Melbourne market, you know, know, newly into the market, but but already with with a great role. You know, chances are you could have stayed there. You could have, you know, perhaps even springboarded that into an, an, an MD role or an EVP role, basically anywhere that, that you wanted to. Um, and yet you chose to, to roll the dice a little bit and, and, and start your own agency. Um, you know, was it, was it a, a tough you know, or stressful decision process for, for you to make that, uh, that move? Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't that stressful. It's just one of those things I just needed to do. Um, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't to be honest, it wasn't a compelling business case or anything. Like we, we did the business case, we crafted the offering. And when you looked at staying in a, in a job that was, you know, good paying and stable and that type of thing versus going into absolutely no money, no clients, two kids, like all this kind of stuff. It was just like, it made no sense, but it was a, it was like the, the itch I needed to scratch. And it was more the like, if I don't do this now, I was just getting onto being 40. I was like, I won't do it. And if I don't do it, I'll always look back and be like, well, what if I had 
done that and just like giving yeah. it a shot. So yeah. the first couple of years were harder than I think we even bargained for. I mean, our, uh, our business case was a work of fiction initially. It was just like, I don't know, <laughs> we're going to have 20 clients and I was just like, nah, not really. Well, well, you always, yeah. And that's the thing too. I mean, regardless of where you are, but certainly when you're starting out, you, you know, you have to, you, know, you have to think big and you have to sort of for, forecast out that we want, you know, f- whatever, f- four or five kind of key key accounts that are going to produce you know, X amount of dollars. It wasn't necessarily that dream scenario for the first couple of years. No, and, and everything like, and it, but it was great. I loved it just from the point of view of you have a hundred percent control. Um, you know, there's no sort of, you know, New York telling you what to do or whatever, like it's, it's all you. So, um, things, things are changing on a dime quite often. Um, some of the things that you kind of lean on, you think, you think it's going to be the next big thing doesn't happen, but then something serendipitously comes out of the woodwork. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and yeah, like, uh, now we've done it now, like six years in, we've got like a, a proper business and, um, you know, I've got some friends who are like looking at doing it now. And then so it's like, well, the real story is it's, it's extremely hard work and it could go either way, but the element of control is something that I just, I really am addicted to. I think it's, it's so nice to be able to be master of your own destiny in that way. It's, it's a, it's really empowering. Mm-hmm. And it's, and from, from that standpoint too. So it's, it is yourself and Alistair, you, you are the, the two, Two founding partners, and you know, essentially, you know, having to to work together. Obviously, when when it comes to to big decisions or pitching or going in in different directions, um, yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah, it has, you know, very important that that you guys, you know, had that sort of early connection, and uh, ideally, I suppose, have the same uh, kind of outlook or at least, uh, kind of, you know, f- focus in terms of where you want the agency to, to go. Yeah. And that alignment has been there from day one. I mean, that's one thing I've been really lucky about is it's, um, we've been aligned on day one on that and our decision-making process happens very quickly because there is just two of us and we're typically aligned. Um, so it's, it's, it's really great that way. Mm-hmm. You're um, so yeah, six years in the making, as you as you say. Uh, I'm actually always I'm, I'm curious when it comes to uh, businesses or agencies in terms of the name. So where where, where mm. did so- Sonar Group uh, come from? Well, that's a good call. So I'm um, so growing up, I always wanted to start my own company, and so like we're you know, going to sleep, like looking up at the ceiling at night, being like, oh, trying out different names and thinking about it. I I found it it's quite interesting. Um, Alistair came up with a name. And he came up with a name as just playing around with the first and last initials of my name, Al's name. And there was actually a third partner okay. initially who dropped <laughs> out like literally right at the last minute. So, um, so that's how Sonar is. He's like, what about the, you know, just jumbling the name? What about Sonar? And I was like, yeah, all right, let's, let's go with Sonar. You know? That's very cool. I, 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 I didn't, I, if, if I knew Alistair better, maybe I could have tried to decipher that myself, but, uh, <laughs> no, but I didn't, you know, didn't even know about the, the, uh, would have been third partner, Yeah. Uh, but I, I love that. Right. That's, um, cause it's, there, it's it's not a made up word, uh, and yet it's it has it has meaning to at least the two of you. Uh, and retroactively, like because we're we're deeper on analytics and we're quite passionate around analytics and data. Yeah. There's a you can you can sort of back in using sonar as a, a rationale for analytics and data, but that's not where it actually came from. <laughs> which is what yeah, which is what I thought, and I trust uh, I trust any any anyone that is uh, is getting uh, getting a call from Sonar Group. That's probably the first the first thing that they think of. 
Um, so you're um, you're currently you know around about twenty or so team members, give or take. Um, I think one of the things too, having worked in, in some um, sort of startup to scale up agencies in the past, I mean, you know, one one of the questions is sort of what is that that ideal headcount size? And I know it's not necessarily something that you can always predict based on business, based on certainly the pandemic, which we'll, we'll talk about in a second too. But where where would you see ideally Sonar Group from a from a uh, team member size? Well, it's kind of funny when we launched. We were you know we were like wow, imagine if we were like twenty people. You know, like, what would that be like? And we're like, yeah, that'd be good. So it was just like 20 people would be good. You kind of know each other's names and you kind of know what everybody's working on. That'd be good. And now we're kind of like coming up to that. I'm kind of like, hmm, well, actually 40 people sounds pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we're um, having worked at big places and small places. It's, it's hard. There is a line there somewhere. Um, and I'm not, but I'm just not totally sure where it is. So from, from my perspective, we have we're pretty particular about who comes on board it's like sonar is not for everybody and that's sort of like we call ourselves a consultancy because everybody has to be client facing we don't look over people's shoulders so we're not micromanaging but some people like the the, the stability or the structure of a little more micromanagement you're left quite a lot to your own devices at sonar so it's not for yeah. everybody but if we can keep the culture vibrant the way it is and we can maintain processes so we don't turn into the hierarchical beast then we'll continue to grow. And I think we'll be cool with that. Like if we felt like we were starting to build the machine again, we might splinter off and create something new before we turn into the machine. Yeah. 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 Which is smart. Right. And so, and I think that's part of the, perhaps the benefit of, again, the two founders in one city and, and having the whole team outside of perhaps freelancers, everybody is, is together. And when everybody is, properly back in the office. I mean, you've, you've got that, that, that culture that is, is there and you don't have to necessarily try to copy it as you kind of go and as, as you grow. But I mean, with that in mind, I mean, are, are most and or all of your clients, are they, are they Australia based? Um, no, I mean, okay. most of them are, most of them yeah. are, but we do have clients in other geographies as well. So we've got a couple actually in Canada uh, and even uh, like a few that are not in Melbourne. So they're in Sydney or other parts of, uh, of Australia. Right. Which is, which leads me to my next question in terms of, you know, as we, as you grow headcount, the other question comes to mind as, as we know from other agencies in the past is when does it, or does it make sense to look at another office potentially? Would you see at some point in the near future having more of a, maybe another regional base in Australia or, and again, maybe this is more dream state, but would you like to see yourself have maybe another quote unquote office in an international city at some point? Yeah. And we've talked about it. We, we, we almost, did that for Canada, like I think it was last year, where we just started getting a critical uh, mass of clients in around Toronto. Where like, okay, maybe we should actually have a full time presence there. Yeah. Um, so it's always on the cards. I think the main thing that would drive it is uh, client opportunity. Uh, we wouldn't just take the punts. You know, we would have to have a real reason for being there and, and start from there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you know, again, I, I've I've sort of seen this as well too, in terms of working for, for an agency in the past that was based in one city. And then there was just so much work in this other city. So from Vancouver to Toronto, in this case, that that there was no question at that point in time that an, another office 
in that market needed to, to, to be there with, with a handful of people in that office. And it's, it's, it's exciting. And yet it is, it's very challenging from the standpoint of, again, of culture, Mm. obviously cost, um, and, you know, having enough, I guess, of, of perhaps your time or senior management time to be there to help it grow and help people understand sort of what's, what is, what's the company all about. Uh, but, you know, I think the one thing that still stands out to me is that it's this physical presence and this office space or office environment, which has, I think, been changed perhaps forever from from the past year or so in terms of in terms of COVID. How have things been for, for Sonar over the last year, year and a half? Because I know Australia has handled the pandemic quite well, albeit you know, quite aggressively and maybe different from, from a lot of places in the world. Um, but yeah, how how has it affected the the business? Yeah, so a very it was a really like interesting year last year because we um, I remember one night doing like you know scenario planning um, and thinking our revenue might go down to just thirty percent, like not down thirty percent, but with thirty percent remaining. So we were like with like real dire potential scenarios, and luckily that didn't happen. So even across our client base, yes, some bits went lower, but other bits went higher. And we were met and, and things that we do like digital performance, people wanted more of. So we were, we were lucky to get through it. It was strange for all of us to go to Zooms, but we actually did that. So we, we, were, we initially said, we'll trial it for a week and then we'll be kind of, we'll, we'll just see how it goes. And then the trial became full time, like right away. So like we were just, so from that point onwards in like early in, in March or mid-March, Everybody was zooming and at and at home, but because of the nature of the work, and obviously you would know this from experience in digital agencies, you can do it at home. Like largely, yeah. you've got your yeah. laptop, you can zoom it, and yes, you miss on the collaboration, but it's still it's not a deal breaker. You can still do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the guys were great, at just like dipping in and and just just knowing that it's it's tough and just doing what needed to get done. Um, we tried different things to try to keep the culture alive, this sort of Friday afternoon wrap-ups or that type of thing with limited success, I'd say, like sometimes sort of cringeworthy, that type of thing. And some, some things totally worked, some things didn't. And, but we just try to switch it up. But I've noticed that since we've been back in the office, we we're back on Tuesdays and Thursdays now, the vibe is way better. There was definitely, there is something to be face-to-face and just like having the banter whatever it is. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, the, the terms of the future of working and that type of thing, I think there definitely still will need to be an element of face-to-face. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But and I, I think too, when, when this all started, that certainly, yeah, some, some industries, some, some sectors were, were better suited to it because I think since, since day one, in terms of digital agency space, there, there has been that flexibility or that appreciation that, we we are digital and so there are different ways and digital ways to be able to conduct business conduct a meeting to run a team to, to run a project at that point so you know I, I think that that was for for, for 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 those in the agency world that this shift wasn't necessarily so dramatic at least from a from a from a work perspective from from a from a lifestyle perspective absolutely um but I, I, you know, I would go through LinkedIn and I would see all these, you know, top five tips to work from home and, and mm-hmm. thought, well, this is, doesn't really apply to, to me so much. I've been doing this for, for years, <laughs> but yeah, how this is, how this is, I guess, kind of gone across the world and, and it's somewhat industry agnostic now in terms of, okay, fine. Everybody is 
fairly conditioned to this new way of working. And yet, I totally agree. I think it's this combination, and I'm, I'm sure most businesses w- would agree that it's going to be, uh, you know, very much more open to the, the fact that, yeah, people can, can work remotely, they can work from wherever, but ideally we can get everybody into the same space for at least once or, you know, twice a week, something like that. Yeah, pretty interesting. Like just like the like how it's it took. I mean, for me, one of the things I think it's great is specifically like the nine to five workday. Um, we don't do that anymore because it's sort of like why was it nine to five? Like we, we allow people to come in if they want to come in earlier, they come in earlier. They want to come in later, they come in later. Um, so it's it's that that level of flexibility. I think is um, it's almost like long overdue. It's great that it's it's there now because. Um, it just provides it just provides a better work environment, um, but yeah, coming to the office is still a good thing. I'm not totally sure if we've figured it all out. Like it's kind of hard to plan in collaboration. Like some of it just happens, yeah. Yeah. Um, but but having some having providing the elements to make it happen is is a good thing. I guess when it comes to Sonar, when it comes to you personally, and just being again this builder and, and very much a early adopter of all things tech. Um, you know, is there something right now that is kind of still early days or emerging that you yourself uh, and or for the agency you're really excited about? Well, yeah, there's a, there's a few things like from uh, from more of the context of uh, of Sonar. Uh, we've been talking about recently. I mean, this, it's been the last three months have actually been absolutely crazy in terms of what's been going on with the big tech platforms. Uh, and so there's a lot of conversations around what's going to happen next. So it's, it's more developments. It's less things I'm excited about and more just like what's going to happen next. So, yeah. you know, the, the changes like Apple iOS updates and the implications of that. And then um, most recently, less about Sonar, but more just generally like opportunities is in cryptocurrency. Uh, and so it's just like this becoming more mainstream. And then the some of the opportunities that's going to, provide in terms of um, yeah, basically monetizing digital properties uh, and that type of thing as well. I guess that's one of the things I feel super lucky about is this industry is constantly changing uh, using a quite a broad definition of digital marketing or digital, but um, it's changing constantly. And five years from now, it's going to be completely different from how it is today. Yeah. Uh, better and worse. Um, but, but I'm just lucky that it'd be in an industry where you're just constantly learning. There's always new stuff on the go. In some cases, some careers or sectors, you don't necessarily have that. It's like, this is the way it's done. And mm. great. As long as you can do that, you're, you're, you're set up for success. In this case, with digital and technology, as you say, it's always changing. And in the last few months, the, the whole phenomenon around uh, NFTs has exploded and it's you know it's they haven't been around for a few months they've been around for for longer than that but it's all of a sudden it's kind of hitting that critical mass and it's for 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 individuals for creators for brands and for agencies to quickly get on top of that and understand okay what is this um, and how can we leverage this Uh, and it reminds me a little bit of of sort of early social days is let's not just create a Facebook page because we think we have to, so let's not create an NFT because we think we have to, but you know, where, where, where is the, the, the smart, intelligent play around these things? And again, leveraging that foundation and, and using it, uh, I guess, as, as best possible for yourself or, or for your clients at that point. 
Yeah, I totally agree. Like it just don't, don't use it because it's shiny, but if it fits into the overall business model the client has and that type of thing, then it can absolutely, it can be incredible. Last question for you, Scott. Is there a, a pitch that comes to mind over the last 20 years, whether it's win or lose? I'm just curious because I know that you've, you've always been out in front in terms of in front of the clients and, and now, of course, being running your own agency. Is there anything that that you draw on, whether again, whether that's positive or or maybe something that was a bit more of a learning experience? Well, okay, so well, I just like when you when you say pitch, the first word, the first the pitch that always ends up in my the the image in my head is that blast radius one for uh, Bombardier, and uh, and the reason why is I guess it was your quintessential pitch where it was like pizza boxes and and like you know late nights trying to put it all together and like, uh, you know, guys on the phone trying to talk to the other offices to try to get the assets. It was, it was just like the real energy of a pitch. Um, and, and, uh, and the delivery on the day was, was just really good because we'd rehearsed a certain way, but then when it came down to it, we were in front of them. A lot of it just happened naturally. Um, and we didn't win the pitch. So that's a, it's kind of an interesting one. Like Flash was pretty good at pitching, but we didn't actually win that one. But yeah. all the elements of the pitch of just like the energy and working together and uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, that was sort of like the, when you say pitch, that's the, that's the image that comes back in my mind kind of thing. Um, but there's, there's certain things I've learned from like guys who are really good at pitching, which I just like always say. And, and the one, one key thing that really comes to mind is actually from Sean Cummins. And he's great at pitching. And basically his thing was when the, when the second that comes in, when they, the client sends you the, the brief, that's when you're, you've got to be on it. Like, don't, don't wait to, don't be too busy or whatever, be on it and, and be like in it to win it type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just thought that was really good food for thoughts just to be like, to have that game set, you know, that, that mindset and go after it. Yeah. And it, you know, kind of, it, I think it brings up a couple of, of things. You know, again, there's the excitement of of pitching. I think it's the, the reality of unless unless you are just being handed work that that all agencies, big or small, need to still be focused on, on pitching. I think that's where this mix of being able to to work remotely, but to your point with the pizza boxes and to be actually in the same room eating from those same pizza boxes and and working from uh, the same master deck uh, to, to me at least sounds like still the the best way forward and the most successful way forward for 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 pitching and and getting new business yeah we did um, yeah over covid there were a couple of pitches but it didn't feel like it wasn't as strong like it was a uh, it was hard to collaborate through Zooms and, and breaking out different pieces and trying to trying to make that work. Um, but one of the things I found really difficult was presenting. Uh, presenting to people where you, you know, there's something tangible when you're face to face in a physical environment. You can read people better. Yeah. Um, but I remember one pitch specifically where literally everybody said hello, and then all of the clients turned off their videos. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really strange thing. You're like pitching at a, you know, basically into the darkness type of thing. <laughs> well, um, and, it, and it's and it's one of those things too. And I've I've been in the same situation where it's just crickets on the other side, and and you have to constantly check to see, like to see if you're still online and be like, oh, did did I drop out half an hour ago? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, very very tough, as as you say, it's. Uh, being in the same room, being able to see those those faces and nodding heads, and 
Um, I suppose the the ability to ensure that people aren't multitasking while you're pitching your heart out um, is is important. So again, hopefully we are we're sort of you know looking at the best of both worlds, but ultimately to be able to if you're client facing and a client facing business to get back in front of the clients um, in person is uh, is is ideal if if we can make it happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome, Scott. Uh, last thing I'll say is, I know, again, you're, you're growing, you're looking for a few different uh, team members to, to join the crew, but anyone that would be interested in, in joining Sonar Group, uh, how can they uh, connect with you and the team? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, you can um, send an email to either myself, scott at sonargroup.com.au. Uh, we're currently looking for roles in as digital performance consultants. So with a background in Google Ads or SEO, uh, and we are also hiring for uh, user interface um, designers and uh, front-end developers. So a few open roles there. We'd, we'd love to hear from you. Nice, nice, nice. Well, we'll see what I can do for you, Scott. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, this has been it's been awesome uh, as always. Great catching up and. Uh, I am super stoked in terms of your uh, your success and uh, living the good life uh, down in Melbourne. It uh, sounds awesome. One of these days, we we will uh, we will take it out at the Zoom and uh, and we will meet uh, somewhere. I don't know if that's on your side or my side or maybe back in in Canada. Yeah, in real life, indeed. Yeah. Thank you again, Scott. Uh, again, really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Rich, and congrats on the podcast. <laughs>